Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tom's Hardware Show. I'm Sharon Harding, and it is October 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, which means it's time to go live. Yes, we are live as always, and we are taking questions from the audience. So if, if you have anything you'd like to ask the three of us today, put the questions into your chat on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll be answering questions by the end of the show. So to introduce you to everyone, joining us today is Keith Mitchell from the Outer Haven and also just joined us at Tom's Hardware this week. What's going on, Keith? Just another day in paradise, that's all I can say. Thanks wow. for having me on board. Uh, first time on the show, guys. It's going to be interesting. Yes, I, I think it will be. So can you tell us a little bit about the Outer Haven? I know you're um, your editor-in-chief over there as well. Yeah, definitely. So the Outer Haven is a geek culture website where we pretty much talk about everything under the sun from gaming, anime, manga, TV, and films. Pretty much anything, if you're a big fan of, of geekdom, we talk about it there. And we've been doing it for about a good 10 years now. So That's it's, awesome. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Met a lot of interesting people. Had a lot of, of uh, interesting opportunities. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing what I do over there. Well, I always have to ask whenever anyone tells me they do anime stuff, what's your favorite anime? Oh, God. I'm more of a selective anime person. Um, I'm more along the lines of the mecha. So, Gundams. I love my Gundams. Pat Labor. I love those. I'm still a big fan of Dragon Ball. Yes. Yu um, Yu Hakusho is still one of my favorite shows of all time, regardless of what people say. I love that show. I mean, I could just go on and on, but... uh Gundam. Gundam's my favorite. Gundam. I haven't watched Gundam, but I am re-watching the Cell Saga right now. More violent than I remember. Um, so also joining us today, of course, is uh, Tom's Hardware senior editor, Andrew Friedman. Hi, Andrew. Hello. What's, hey, how's it going? What's been keeping you busy this week? Well, um, as we know, this week was Amazon Prime Day, and so our whole team was working around the clock to make sure you saw the best deals. But, you know, we've also been sticking to our normal news beat and some testing and we're gonna have some more cool reviews going up soon um i'm actually doing this stream from uh a new gaming desktop with a 3090 in it which i'm pretty sure makes me the owner of like 40 percent of the 3090s in the world like just by <laughs> nature of it being there those in that desktop hard. those are especially hard to get I'll tell you yeah so that. so we're gonna have we're gonna have some rtx 30 series um pre-builds up soon which is pretty cool and then more recently, as I knock it against my other laptop, my, <laughs> um, we put up this, which is the uh, Surface Laptop Go. Awesome. So actually, the most recent time I told someone that I worked at Tom's Hardware, the first thing he asked me about was Microsoft Surface lineup. And so you okay. have the newest one there. So maybe you could give us, you have the Surface Laptop Go, correct? Yes. Not to be confused with the Surface Laptop or the Surface Go. It is never that. <laughs> Surface Laptop Go. So this is it in its blue color. Um, Microsoft specifically calls it ice blue. Oh, it looks gray. Yeah, oh, yeah it, it kind of like, it's very faintly blue. There is a real gray that's called platinum. And then they also have a goldish, pinkish gold called sandstone. So this is the smallest one they've made. It's the lightest one they've made in the Surface Laptop series. And I can open it up for you. See, it is, it's a little baby. Hmm. Oh, I and love the bezels. I love the bezels. Yeah, so it's got a thin, it's got a little thin, thin bezel, and it's a twelve point four five inch display. 
And, you know, at first glance, I was like, you know, this really seems no compromise now. Like you have aluminum here. I mean, okay, there's some, pl there's plastic on the bottom. So they've cut down a little bit on things like that, but aluminum on the deck as well. But as you go through it, you start to see there's definitely some compromises they made. And the reason they did that is because this has a starting price of $549. So they really need to hit that price. Across the lineup, they kept an Ice Lake Intel Core i5, but everything else is like sort of where you start to see it drop. For instance, the display is perhaps the, the biggest issue I've seen both in my review and plenty of other ones, is that they did not go for a full HD display. Um, this one is 1536 by 1024. So you're at less than full HD, like somewhere between 720p and that. Oh, what and year is it though? What, what year is it? It's <laughs> unfortunately still 2020. <laughs> but the lower resolution is one of the things they cut across the entire lineup. Um, and uh, they cut, speaking of the bezels, so you can have smaller bezels, but they got rid of the IR camera. So there's no IR camera here. That's just, you just have in the power button, there's a little fingerprint sensor. And that works well enough. The problem I had with it though, is that the one I'm reviewing was not $549. It was the top end $900 one. And so when you still have the, the cut down display and things like that, the plastic on the $900 version then it starts to feel like you're really giving something up. And at that point, there are other things in the Windows, greater Windows 10 ecosystem that might have more performance or a better dis or a higher res display, or you know, you just might be able to get more power. Um, so something like the Acer Swift 3, which we compared to a lot on the budget side with a Ryzen 7, it's a lot longer battery life. You had a much faster processor. It's like there are trade-offs you make there. Um, the 549 one is also, it's a little weird in that it's, you can only get it with four gigabytes of storage and 64 gigabytes, sorry, four, four gigabytes of RAM and 64 gigabytes of EMMC storage. So like not the, not the fast SSD. So you gotta spend at least 700 to get eight gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes of SSD storage. So that's like the minimum I would kind of suggest people get. And then by the time you get to 900, well, I mean, you get the 256 gigabytes of storage but then there's just, there's so much else going on in the market that it's not really competitive anymore. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, Keith? You feel, first off, you pointed out you like those bezels, but we had to lose the IR camera for that. So yeah, I, I didn't know about the resolution. The resolution is very disappointing. And also at the same time, he mentioned it only has four gigs of RAM with, with a Windows OS and four gigs of RAM is like. Yeah. So if you get seven, if you, yeah, if you get the 700 or the $900 one that I'm holding, you go up to eight gigabytes of RAM. Right. <sighs> But for it's like Windows struggles to run on that. It's, right. It's so how's it, how uh, it performance-wise? On performance-wise, it's it's you know for the price, it's solid. They really made a point of getting you know the Core i5 in every single price point. So you get the same Core i5 whether you're spending the 550 or you're spending the 900. So it was generally like I compared it to a lot of other ultra portable things because of how light this is. It's like it's sort of on par with the MacBook Air with the Core i5 that they also use while beating Microsoft's other most portable Go, the Surface Go 2. But again, in the price range, you can get something, you know, within like six to $700 with like a Ryzen 7 and it just kind of blows it out of the park. Yeah, so it's, yeah, this is gonna, So this is gonna be plenty good, I mean, performance-wise anyway, you know, if you're a student and like, you know, there's a laptop shortage now, people, they're looking to 
do a lot of browser-based tasks. They're looking to do like a few tabs or something. This this will be fine for them. But once you're spending 900, you can be getting more of that power. Yeah. The other thing, there's actually one thing I forgot to mention. Speaking of security on here, on there is this power this power button, which I told you about, which is the fingerprint reader. You lose that on the $550 model. So there is no login besides username and password on that on that budget model. Imagine so really, having to type in your own password. I mean, I, I, I do it every day, but <laughs> those conveniences sort of like they really made cuts and cuts and cuts to get to that 549. And I understand why that's such an important price point for Microsoft. Their service lineup is premium and it's expensive. But at the same time, I kind of want them to be showing other, like they're claiming to be showing like this is the best experience on Windows 10. And at 549, that may be the case, but when you get up to the 900 or even the 700, that's not necessarily the case anymore. So if you were going to spend $900, is there something else you'd recommend? A certain either laptop or even just like a um, certain specs? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of going to be different for everybody. I think it's sort of like if you're getting to the 900 on this, then if you... If you like this, if you like this design, if you like this feel, if you like the three by two display, which they kept on here, which I really like, which means it is slightly taller than you expect. So you can see more of your work on screen. If you're a coder or you do a lot of reading or you're a writer that, you know, that's really helpful. Then you could go up to the Surface Laptop 3, which, and the 13 inch one, which you probably have to pay a little more to get the specs similar to this. But in terms of design, that's really good. Um, if you're looking for something on the cheaper end, we do like the Acer Swift 3, the AMD model. It's it's 649, not 549. But then you get full HD. The battery life was ridiculous. And the performance runs circles around something like this. So that's a good one if you're on the, on the budget end. And if you prefer something, like and you just want something small, I actually really like the Surface Go 2 for what it is. I mean, it is a tablet and you, it's, you get less power at 549, but you can get like the they do a core M3, which is like a Y series from eighth gen Intel. And you, I saw it on Amazon when I reviewed it, like at eight gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes for the same price as this. That's pay more for the keyboard, but if you're looking primarily for ultra portability, you'll get the IR camera and a nicer screen in something else called a Go. So I kind of like that too. But the thing about this price range is like, it's the most popular price range you're gonna see if you walk into a big box store. There are a ton of options and I really wanted this to sort of lead the way in all of them. And mm -hmm. it it does in many respects, but when it gets, when they bump it up, it starts to feel a little bit like you're getting shortchanged. What are your thoughts, Keith? How much is like a good looking and portable slim laptop worth paying? Is it worth a bit of a premium when you can get better performing um, laptops for the same price, but maybe are clunkier and heavier and not as cute? I'm more of a person who cares about the performance. I don't care about the looks. I care about the power and, and the ability to do my work outside of my office or if I'm at an event covering something. So a better screen, a better, uh, longer battery life. And the ease of just being a login to my laptop is more important than having something that's slim. I mean, I grew up in the age where laptops were like this thick. So it's like, <laughs> it doesn't bother me whatsoever. I'm, I'm used yeah. to that. Yeah, it's a bummer about the screen because I know, Andrew, you love the three to two screens, but then you get the lower resolution and I'm like, no, you almost had it all. So close. Yeah, there, there are a couple things that they're not the only ones that have it. I mean, never mind the price range. Like You do see it on the Huawei MateBook X, which you're not going to find because we're in America. 
Asus is gonna Asus is gonna make the ZenBook S with it. Um, the Intel version of the Acer Swift three, which we haven't tested, we like though we have tested the Ryzen version, like it. The Intel version also has. That. Might have froze up for a second there. Yeah, I think we lost Andrew. Well, hmm. All right, I guess we'll kick him out for now. Stay tuned because hopefully he'll come back. <laughs> But um, in the meantime, if you have any questions for Andrew, he is um, very wise when it comes to laptops. And we are all, you know, looking for better productivity devices, especially if we're working from home now. So if I have any questions on the Surface Laptop Go or just laptops in general, shoot them in the chat. We'll try to get to it once we um, once we get Andrew back. There he is. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't, this is, you know, this is live broadcast. Folks. That it is. I just made the call out, Andrew, for people to send in questions if they oh, have yeah, any. Sure. Anything you want to know. <laughs> but one, I do want to say one real nice positive thing about it. The keyboard on this is great. So if you like something little and really want a nice keyboard, I really like it. Oh, that's surprising. Positive, positive notes. Yeah. Yeah. Microsoft, Microsoft's just been making good keyboards, and this really emulates what you see on their bigger, nicer stuff. Oh, we do actually have a question that I know the answer to. Someone's asking Keith or Avram, are you using NVIDIA broadcasts to blur your background? I definitely am, and I love it. I definitely am. Yeah, let's take a look at Keith. It looks good, right, everyone? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, actually, if you want me to see if I can actually change it for a second. So, What GPU are you using, Keith? I'm using the Ryzen 9 3900X. Oh, no, that's the GPU. I'm sorry. I'm using the uh, 2080 Ti because I can't find 2080. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like the black the, the background blur because you can change it up as much as you want. You can throw it all the way up or you can lower it as much as possible or just turn it off. So it depends. Like right now, if you look to the to look over there, you'll see my green screen from Elgato that I purchased many moons ago that I don't even use anymore because of this. It's just so much better. Just blur it yeah. up and I'm good. Love it. Yeah, we could all use a little bit more privacy <laughs> these days. Well, Keith, we got you on the big screen right now. You are a connoisseur of consoles and gaming in general. I and this am. week, I know you covered some interesting Xbox news for us. Can mm -hmm. you give us a little, a little rundown? So recently, Microsoft came out with two different bits of information regarding the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. The first one is the backwards compatibility, which basically is huge. It is is a uh, game winner for myself if you like games on uh, playing older games. Like I grew up around the Xbox, Xbox 360. Oh, somebody said it was a low, so let me turn myself up a lot here. Windows has been playing havoc with my mic, so it's probably why people aren't hearing me as much. Give me a second here. Not sure why it's doing that. That should be a little better. Um, so backwards compatibility is important for me, and I think it is for a lot of gamers who grew up in the older generation of games, like Xbox, original Xbox games and Xbox 360 games, all of which, well, most of which are playable in Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S. I'm just going to say the new Xbox. I'm not going to say those anymore. Um, and you also have the full catalog of the Xbox One games, which are playable on the new Xbox console as well. So that's super important for me because I have an old catalog of old Xbox games that I still enjoy. Like um, the original Dark Souls or Panzer Dragon Orta, Ninja Gaiden Black. I still love those games. So the ability to play those on the new consoles is important to me. Um, the next bit of information that came out is they have 30 games that are optimized for the Xbox Series X and S. And that's not to be confused with backwards compatibility. What the optimized games are is basically 
they went back either they went back to the developers most of the times these are first party people but there's also a huge list of third party people who went ahead and, and, and um did patches for these games so these games will have features such as um ultra settings that you'll find on the pc or, or volumetric fog or things like that to make them look better make them run better on the new consoles so what we'll see now is for example forza horizon is we'll see the game on the, the new xbox especially xbox x or xbox series x look and play on par with the top of the line pc version which is incredible for me because even though i play consoles i love playing my games on the pc so i'm interested to see how well the xbox series x looks on par with the top of the line pc without a 38 or 390. <laughs> So what do you think, Andrew? Is this something that makes the new Xboxes more appealing to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Keith that in general, this, you know, it maintains the value that you've invested in your hobby for a really long time. Gaming is an expensive hobby. Hardware yeah. is really expensive. Mm -hmm. So when people, you know, if you look back at like the PlayStation 3, they changed right? They changed their architecture to something they called the cell, and it was really complicated and nothing worked with it. And you switch to the PlayStation 4, for all those people who got in on PlayStation 2, 3, they sort of, they didn't lose their collection, but they had to keep the hardware there and hope to keep working. And with the PlayStation 4, they switched that. So going to Xbox, they've had the same PC style x86 architecture going, going forward. And now this is really paying off for them because they're not launching with a lot of games. Halo Infinite, yeah. Blade. So if you can go in and say, okay, look, we still have a reason for you to buy this. Not only can you play this entire back catalog, but some of the newest ones are going to be optimized. They're going to look better than the last time you played them. Then like that is, there is a selling point there, especially when you're Microsoft and you lost the biggest title you were going to have. Right. Now, I mean, look, if you're someone who has a piece who is already only gaming on PC, is it going to move you over? No, you probably no. have your catalog there, but there are a ton of people who game on consoles with big collections and are going to be looking for something to play when it launches and there's going to be some some stuff you're talking about smart delivery that launches really soon after like Assassin's Creed Valhalla will come out with smart delivery or you'll be or you'll be you can go back to some old favorites like Sea of Thieves is going to is going to have smart delivery you can get these things play them on Xbox One now when you get the Series X or Series S boom it works so I think there is a value add there for a lot of people mm -hmm. who just want to play a lot of people love going back to play the games they already have so is this something that uh is this is the PlayStation 5 going to be backward compatible too? Do we know? Yeah, so this is interesting. So yes, when, they, but. <laughs> when they first announced the PlayStation 5, they weren't being very specific regarding the backwards compatibility. And people were like, oh, they're only going to have a couple of games. And Sony came out and said 100 games. And then more recently came out and was like, hey, 99% of our games will be playable on PlayStation 5, with the exception of 10 games. So the majority of PlayStation 4 games will be backwards compatible on the PlayStation 5. They won't see any enhancements, but they will be playable. Yeah, my favorite part about it is I think one of like those 10 games is called Just Deal With It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I think, and, I, and I think one of the games, one of the developers came out and said, I'm going to make our game compatible with the PlayStation yeah. 5. So, it's, like, it's yeah, it's, it's a big collection. Yeah, we, we can't give you 100%. Just deal with it. These, I mean, and there's one of them, I forget what it's called. It was like known to be like so entirely broken. But yeah, it's that I think it shows they made the right move with the PS4 there. Yeah. Also, I think it's also important to point out real quick. I'm sorry that on, on the Xbox, oh, one of the biggest things about this with with the Xbox Series X and S being able to play those games is you can now get rid of the Xbox One because there's literally no reason to have it anymore. Get rid of it. <laughs> Go. If you can get a trade in at a 
any yeah. store, GameStop or sell it on eBay. They're actually selling eBay or or give it to your give it to your friend, give it to your nephew. I I I know yeah, for me when I, when I tried to I was gonna uh, I was gonna trade in one of my PlayStation Four Pros for the PlayStation Five, but the time I got back to get to GameStop to get it, I can only get access to the uh, the digital one. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna give it to my nephew. He'll love it. Done. And the other the other thing that Microsoft made smart here is that with something like smart delivery, put it in another room in your house. Like, yep. oh, you want you have it in one room? Like, okay, fine. You go and you play. I don't know. I got I got the list of optimized titles. You go and play Dirt Five, and you play it, and it'll look fine. And then like, oh, we're done with the. Oh, are you, honey? Are you done with the good TV? Great. I'm gonna take the good TV, and now I'm gonna play it play it a 4K. And you could do that. So that's pretty cool too. Yeah, so the smart delivery is nice. How long is the list of optimized games? Is it pretty decent? For so, the Xbox? Yeah, it's 30 right now. 30? But it'll be growing. It'll grow. Okay. Because I want to take a little walk down memory lane and see which older Xbox games are you guys most excited to, you know, give fresh life to and start playing again when when we assumedly get our new Xboxes. I assume well, everyone's going to buy me one. So. I will tell you this. I don't have a list, but I can tell you that the original Xbox games are, it's 39 are playable. Uh, Xbox 360, 525 are playable. Oh, wow. So that's a pretty big list of games you can go back to memory lane and check out. So I'm not sure if this is going to be optimized or not. I haven't looked at the list, but for me... I want to play. Um, it's a 360 game, Warriors Orochi Three. Has any have any of you played it? I or heard of it. Actually, think I haven't even heard of it. I'm pulling <laughs> up the list. I think that game is actually on the list. Hang on a second here. Oh heck yeah! Oh, so it's 30? a crossover um, game between Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors, and basically it's a kind of game where there are just huge amounts of hordes coming at you. There are so many little characters. So obviously, what was that game again? A Warriors Orochi Three. But there's like a oh whole... Rochi, yeah okay um I think that was on it because that was from Sega. But like on the bright side, even if it doesn't have like all the optimizations for like faster frame rates or things like that, you'll still get things to just like you get quicker zoom right because they're gonna have the you're finally moving to SSDs so you'll be able to load it really fast. Things that, like that and hardware uh, auto it auto HDR. Right, so yeah. you you will get benefits even if it's not technically optimized. So the issue with that game is the bad guys are coming in so quickly and they uh, respawn so quickly. And if you're playing in two player mode, it's even crazier. So like I would get dizzy and it gets like blurry and choppy pretty easily. So if we could boost that up, I would definitely start playing that again. And it's one of those just like addictive games. Like you're playing like ancient um, Asian warriors for a lot of it. And some of them are like made up warriors. And so you just have all these crazy hordes. So. If we could get it smoothed out for me, I would totally beat that all over again. So I do see that Orochi 3 and 4 is actually on the Xbox One. It looks like they were upgraded versions of those games. Yeah, so. they did. Yeah, I played it on the 360. Yeah, though. yeah. I don't I don't see that one as being one of the ones on 360. Darn. What, what about you guys? Anyone else have a certain game they're interested in revisiting? SSX. Oh. SSX loved that game. Loved There's it. Like a lot of game, little games I've missed that I'm like, well, if there's new hardware without like a big flagship title right now, like I never played Tetris Effect, and like I know that's on the optimized list. So I'm like, what's a better time to like get into like a game that's supposed to be like just so like and like so graphically pretty and like really arrest you than something like that? Yeah, that's a good point. There are some older games um, 
that you've never played before that maybe you could reconsider. Another one I would think about playing again is Diablo, Diablo 3. I played that on, there are like very few games that I actually played through all of on 360 because I was, I think I was in college during that time. So I didn't play a lot of games. College was in my Xbox 360 red ring. <laughs> So if anyone watching has some games they are itching to play on the Xbox Series X or S, put them Actually, in the I, yeah. need, I need to check this list because there are um, there was a game we used to love playing back in the day on the original Xbox. Um, it was a mech game. Was it was it was it Mech Command? No, it wasn't Mech Commander. Mech Warrior. No, Mech Assault. Mech Assault. And it's unfortunately not on there. And that's the thing. Was on that list. It was like was that, that free game. It's Aegis Wing. It was like that free game that came with Xbox Live. Like. Back when the Xbox 360 launched. Which and one was it? Let me take a look. The, a the AEGIS. Yep. Aegis Wing. Yeah. Yep. That it's on there. Free, but like, oh, I played so much of that one. Yep. It's on there. Well, so it looks like we have um, a couple questions yeah. that we can get to. The first one I'm going to throw to Andrew because he's our laptop editor. How many reps of laptop curls do you do every day? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> Not, I, think this, I do at least this, like three you like pick it up on the desk go to the living room this one's really light so i could probably do a bunch of them to like get like a real beefy like msi or like acer predator or something and then like i might only get to do a couple <laughs> um once you get a couple of 90s the 3090s, I think, are where mm -hmm. the real workouts are. Yeah, well, you have to ask uh, Jared, our GPU editor, for those. He says the that the Founders Edition is real heavy. Oh, it looks like there are some viewers who are interested in playing Fable, which is funny but too short. But you have a whole new console to play it on, so. And all the Fables are on there, so yeah, they'll be playable. Sweet. All of them. Um, yeah, so if anyone else has any questions, keep them coming. Um, there is one that I think we can just throw to the general audience, which is, you know, kind of something we probably think about every time there's a new console, which is, will they eat into PC sales? I think, Angel, you already said, you know, just because there's backward compatibility, no. it's not going to because PC gamers it, already have their library set. I don't think it's going to, yeah, it won't eat into existing audiences. The one thing that's really interesting is just the, the value here. They've priced this extremely aggressively. If you're just looking at the X at 499 for like what you're going to get spec wise, it's really aggressive. And the 299 one, I think is going to fly off shelves. Oh, a, yeah. lot of people, a lot of families aren't necessarily going to immediately care about something like 4K. That's not going to necessarily like keep people who are currently building and buying PCs to stop doing it. But I think if you're thinking about it, just like, PCs are not going to be able to beat that value for a while until graphics card prices come down. What do you think, Keith? Yeah, I'm in agreement. There's so this is a, a question I hear a lot, and I always have the same answer. Uh, consoles, especially the Xbox Series X, Xbox Series X, will not eat into PC gaming because they're two completely different ecosystems, and you have two different types of, and I hate saying this, uh, gamers. You have casuals who just want to play the game just want to sit down pop a game in or whatever and they're good to go and you have enthusiasts who want to sit there and tinker with their pcs and do all sorts of different things and have super graphical fidelity and and mods and things of that nature so there's two different spectrums two different sides of the spectrum here i i never think consoles will eat into two pc gaming cells i never think pc gaming will affect consoles they're just two different they're two separate entities that you can equally love so with with the Xbox Series X, Xbox Series X, I don't think they'll eat into PC gaming. 
but it will put people off just for a little bit because as of right now, there's no real big game to get into the PC that's going to make you want to invest hundreds of dollars to jump in a PC game where you can jump in and get a $300 console or even a $500 console and play a similar game. Unless you're talking about things like MMOs and, or if you're tired of playing or tired of paying to get on Xbox Live, which is a big, another thing people don't like. Well, yeah, that's the, the truth is Microsoft, look, Microsoft doesn't care if you get the Xbox Series X, nope. the Xbox Series S, or a PC, as long as you pay for Game Pass, which is what they're looking for as their future business model. Yeah, and you know what? It's working for them. I, I, I love the yeah. fact that Game Pass, I can, get game, I can get Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, play my games on my Xbox, jump on my PC and play games on my PC. For $15 a month, here you go. You got it. No problems there. And it keeps my kids quiet. Dad, I don't want to play a game. There's like 100 games. Go play something. <laughs> Leave me alone. We have games at home. That's good parenting right there. So if you, anyone else, um, you know, keep your questions coming. Um, and for now, I'm going to show you what I've been working on this week. Um, I feel like I often come on the show with like these really expensive gaming peripherals. So this week, I actually have something that's like a little bit more affordable. I wouldn't say it's cheap. Um, it's, it's kind of cheap for Corsair, though. So here, let me try to bring my screen up one second so you guys can see what I'm talking about. But um, what I have here is a $90 mechanical gaming keyboard. It looks like I got some, some water on it, but that's all right. <laughs> so this is a, a $90 uh, mechanical gaming keyboard that Corsair released this week. Um, it's the K, K60 RGB Pro. And so for $90 here, you get some luxury. So you have an aluminum top plate here, which is nice because it adds for um, durability. It also looks nice. There's a little bit of a brush finish. It's pretty dark to see here, but um, that is the case. Um, you also get some low profile keycaps. That's supposed to help make the RGB pop a little bit more. And the switches themselves aren't low profile. These are actually new switches from Cherry called um, Cherry Viola switches. Um, so I could actually show you a little bit of that. So these are um, newer switches. Um, you'll notice I didn't say MX. So these are um, a different line. MX switches are more expensive and they use more parts. These are actually the Viola switches here are meant for budget keyboards because basically Cherry doesn't want people to have to buy a membrane or mecha membrane, any type of keyboard like that. Right. So these are cheaper switches here. Um, they're linear similar to red switches, but they ha they're actually cross linear, which means basically that they still travel straight down, but they reset faster. So they, they come back up with more force than what was needed to press them. So one of my issues though is you can see the sockets, the plastic sockets are pretty chunky on these. So you can see the white, like it kind of like affects the look of the, of the whole keyboard. So so that's something to keep in mind. Um, but these are still, this is still a mechanical keyboard, mechanical switches, um, only $90. So curious to hear um, what you guys think. Does the, does the RGB shine through those white parts? No. No. Oh, here, I could give you a better look at the RGB. Did someone say RGB? It's hard to see because um, it's so sunny in here, but it's actually quite bright here. Hold on, I can make it so it stays on for you. Um, but it's actually pretty bright. Um, 
this is one of their out-of-box settings, which it's always good where you get pretty decent out-of-box settings and you don't have to play around in the software because who actually wants to spend like half an hour playing with their RGB software besides me? Um, so no, they don't, I guess like, yeah, we actually dish um, them. Sorry, you can see the RGB. You can see how, 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 how high up those buttons stick as well. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. big gap there. Wow. Yeah. So what do you guys think? $90. It's pretty cheap for Corsair. There's actually a version that's $10 cheaper if you can live with red lighting instead of colorful lighting, RGB. Um, but yeah, the Corsair just announced this this week. So what are your thoughts? I'm a bit weird. I like my keyboards to have a volume control in there at the very least because I just like having that there. So that's a little disappointing. Other than that, the RGB, oh my God, <laughs> it's pretty bright there. <laughs> What do you think, Andrew? I'm really curious about those viola switches. That's not something I've tried. So I guess like, I'm really curious how those feel, like in somewhere being somewhere in between, like mechanical and like where they fall on like the mechanical to membrane scale exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're like by definition they're still mechanical still switches. Mechanical. Okay. Um, but they're just cheaper. So most all the cherries switch like the speed silver, red, black, blue, right. whatever, they're all like cherries MX line. They um are made with more parts. Um they require soldering usually. So that's also something that's uh, making it cheaper for the vendors. I haven't seen too many keyboards with them out yet. Um Cherry actually announced these at CES in this January. Right. So it is exciting to see um it come out. But this isn't like, you know, obviously other keyboards can incorporate these switches. This is just the first one to come to our lab, but it's not quite like at the same price as a membrane keyboard or a mecha membrane, which like Razer, I know definitely has one. Um, you can get those for cheaper than $90 for sure. So this is like the lower grade mechanical switch, but you're not quite getting that lower price, um, unfortunately. Um, Steve Curley says he spends hours customizing his RGB, not half an hour. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. It also depends on the software you have. I think IQ and Synapse are pretty good, but there are some peripheral software that doesn't make it so easy to do that per key customization or to get the effects you want. So if you can get one out of the box, it has like some cool settings. I think that's always a bonus, especially if you're only, only spending $90. But yeah, so I'll be um, continuing to test this, um, hopefully getting a review up next week. But yeah, Andrew, I think you're right. One of the interesting things in here is the budget mechanical switch because mechanical keyboards can be well over $100. I've had keyboards here that are $200 and that's just not everyone wants to spend hundreds of dollars on their peripherals and I can understand why. Uh, yeah. Are there, are there are there any other like notable features on there? Like, is the, do you get like USB pass through or anything like that, or is this like really just bare bones to hit that ninety dollar point? It's pretty bare bones. I don't even believe there's onboard memory, so you'll have to um, you know use the software, download the software if you want multiple profiles. You do get some flip out feet. Do you count that as a feature? <laughs> Only yeah, one yes. level. It's not, not a feature. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, it's pretty um, it's pretty uh, stripped down. But again, for Corsair, this is pretty cheap. I want to say what their cheapest mechanical keyboards probably fall in like the seventy, eighty dollar range without right. RGB. Um, so yeah, I guess the big appeal here is if you like Corsair, if you want to sync your, you know, you could sync your lighting effects with other Corsair products. Um, but yeah, in terms of features, it's definitely lacking, Andrew. In terms of features, but you do get. 
the per key RGB to spend 30 minutes to several hours on. Kind of make you, it match the whole rig, and the whole rig will require like six other pieces of software. So, are you a mechanical keyboard guy, Keith? I am. I actually use one right now, using a Logitech one. Do you have a preferred switch type? We often chat switches here. No, no, actually, I don't because I've go through some of them. No, not at all. So, you'll use any kind of mechanical switch? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to have a whole big debate with you. Wow. So you don't care if it's making noise? Even? I love noise. I especially love the noise. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I love the noise. Um, I used to have a, a dash keyboard, which was noisy as can be, and I loved it. I had it at work, but my coworkers hated me. They were like, Keith, why are you using that keyboard at work? Because I like the sound. Again, I grew up with those old, uh, clunky, mechanical IBM keyboards back in the day. Oh, I've no. always I, I've always worked in ITs. I've always used those loud keywords. I love them. I want you to know when I'm typing. Yes, yes, one <laughs> of us. Of purpose. We will never tell you your keyboard's too loud, Keith. We'll tell you to turn it up. Yeah, it used to be when when we were in, in the office in the before times that like our whole department was just like clack 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 clack, and then the people like a few rows down sitting there and they'd be like. What the what what the hell are they doing? Why are they making all that noise? And they just have like the membrane keyboards IT help had given out. So we're we're used to that. Yeah, actually, when we first started working from home, I just thought it felt it just sounded so quiet. And then I got a keyboard to review with clicky switches, and it was loud again. I'm like, oh, this is what I was missing. Now I can't. Oh, no, I brought it home. Keyboard. I brought the I brought the mechanical keyboard. <laughs> I'm like, I want that same one. Awesome. Set my wife up with one. We got we got plenty of noise here. So I'm looking to see if we have any um, questions. We do have one from Tom Hudson, who's asking for the best SSD to buy, bang for your buck. I do not know off the top of my head, but Tom, if you go to Tom's Hardware and look at our best SSDs page, um, we have a whole lineup of our best picks for SSDs um, from depending on your use and how much you wanna spend. So check that out. And Avery wants to know, Keith, if you've ever tried box white switches, they're from Kale. I can't say that I have. I think Abram's follow-up will be that he wants you to try them. <laughs> <laughs> they're clicky. I like them too. They're clicky and they're light. Um, you could find them in a. They're actually you could find them in a few keyboards. Um, Anyone specifically? Because I recently the last couple keyboards I've had was the Logitech's. Um, the one I'm using now. Um, I think my last was a Logitech, and before that, it was a Kingston. I need to go back to my job and get my DAS keyboard. That's what I need to do. Yeah, I, I went back to my job and got a keyboard and a wrist rest and other essentials like that. Um, yeah, if you want to try Kale Box White Switches, one of our top-rated keyboards, or one keyboard that we gave our top rating on our site is the Patriot Viper V765, which is also pretty cheap. I think it's like going for 80 to 90 right now, which makes this Corsair seem questionable. But that has Kale Box White Switches and also um, media keys, like you prefer, Keith, RGB, and even RGB around the base. So it's not just on the keys, but on the bottom. No, I can't complain too much about RGB because I recently fell into the, the uh, rabbit hole that is um, Phillips lighting. And oh, yeah, it's bad. Your whole house is going to be <laughs> RGB. Well, right now in the offices, you know, I love it when I'm playing games and I just say I just say the words and it changes. I won't say it now because a certain Google device will start talking to me. <laughs> so I don't want that happening. But yeah, it'll change the color of my room. I love it. it's around my TV, it's around my monitors, but it's behind me. 
I do want to do it downstairs in the basement as well because my Xbox Series X will probably go down there just because it's more room. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. yeah quick thing to talk about the SSDs real quick and say obviously we're as we're in deal season now, like it's an, it's an almost impossible question to answer. In the best page, we have like the XPG SX8200 Pro people really like. But just over the past couple of days, we saw things like we saw the Intel 665P for it to go under $100 for a terabyte, things like that. So, I mean, for the next few weeks, just keep checking on those. I mean, obviously, it depends. Do you want NVMe or SATA or do you want a 2.5 inch? But prices are not stable right now. And we did have a news story up the other day that prices are projected to get cheaper going into Q1 next year. So now actually seems like a pretty solid time to buy, but like definitely keep keep an eye on the site for all the deals on that. Nice, nice. So I think da, 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 I think we've gone through our questions for today. So that is about all the time we have for this week's show. But we will be back next Thursday as always at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and like us on Facebook and make us feel good and important. You can also download each episode as a podcast and take us with you. Uh, so before we go, I want to thank Andrew and Keith for stopping by. Um, Andrew, any last words? Oh, thanks for having me again. And um, no, I just hope everybody's staying safe, healthy, and happy. Nice. What about you, Keith? Any last messages for the people? Same thing. Stay safe out there. And if I might, and I might anger a couple of people, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, console wars are stupid. Guys, we are here to play games. Play games and enjoy yourself. Stop it. If, if anyone's angered by that, then that's their fault. I love what you said before, Keith, is that you can love PC gaming and you can. gaming. You can. We can all be friends. I mean, I could turn my head and, and go PC, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, 360, PlayStation 3, Game Boy. We can all spend all our money. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Or get blood. Or get blood. <laughs> Positive vibes. How much are kidneys going for these days? <laughs> Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. <laughs> About 130 <laughs> Well, thank you for everyone who tuned in. That is our show, and we'll see you next Thursday. See you.